Hello, how are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm in the middle of a week off, so I'm feeling super refreshed. How are you? That's good. Uh, I'm squeezing out every last dying ember of the British summertime. And uh, should. Yeah. Um, us Brits have to make do with what we can get when it comes to sunshine. You are not wrong. Our allocated seven hours of sunshine a year <laughs> are nearly up. <laughs> I thought we'd that. mix things up this episode. Um, I often rely on you to find out what film we should watch uh, on a given episode. But this time I thought I would find something. And I... Um, Listen to the YouTuber Ashens, who does a lot of reviews of uh, old games, of crappy emulating software, of tatties found in Poundland and other things. And just by chance, the other week, I heard him say, oh, why don't you go and watch this film, referring to a bad film. And lo and behold, I think that's what we're going to watch today. We're going to watch 1965's Monster Agogo. Wow. Um, right, speechless, really. Is this a title you're familiar with? <laughs> no, but I, I, I feel bereft, because what a title already. Yeah, I mean, it's super 60s, Agogo, heading to the Agogo. Um, so, yeah, it's, I know you haven't had time to absorb all this, but it's directed by Herschel Gordon Lewis, and he's referred to as the godfather of gore. Um, he has... <laughs> 30-odd director credits to his name, and the titles of his films are all bonkers, e.g. The Year of the Yahoo, The Wizard of Gore, How to Make a Doll, She-Devils on Wheels, Blast <laughs> Girls. So you get the kind of guy we're dealing with here. Okay, absolute hack nonsense is what we're talking about here. Well, that's very rude for a film you haven't watched yet. <laughs> yeah okay i'm just getting a, a faint whiff of the subject matter here and I mean, i'll give you i'll give you some good news up front is that if you don't like it it's an hour and 10 minutes long so you know excellent i mean get, yeah we always look at the runtime and we know. very sure <laughs> we know that we're in for well we know that if it's short, the pain will be, you know, only a, a small amount of time. So that's always a good sign for me. Yes, definitely. So are you up for it? Uh, absolutely. It's 1960s uh, horror with a terrible title. What could go wrong? Absolutely everything. I'll see you on the <laughs> other side. Go, go to this theater to see the science fiction picture to end all science fiction pictures. Did he or didn't he? Is he a monster or isn't he? Only his space agency knows for sure, and they won't tell. When the capsule comes down without the astronaut, everyone is on the go, including who or what did come down. Monster a go-go. Here's the picture that grabs the screen and shakes it. The picture that makes you wonder if the Earth is coming to an end right in the theater in front of you. Never in your life have you seen such a combination of happy, sad, good, bad, rock'em, sock'em action. When you walk out, you wonder what you've seen, because never has there been a motion picture like this. Monster A Go-Go, 
with a genuine 10-foot-tall monster to give you the whim-whams. Monster A-Go-Go, with astronauts and space capsules and pretty girls, and cosmic radiation and pretty girls, and screams and pretty girls. There's something for everyone in the picture they're all talking about, the picture with Go, Monster A-Go-Go. So we've just watched Monster A Go Go, and um, uh, uh, do you have a one-word review? Shit. Okay, that's good to know. Um, so uh, I'd like to attempt to um, spiel back the plot, and uh, so to put our listeners right into the heart of what we're watching. I mean, you you seem to take on this uh, role every time. Good luck. Because I have got no clue what was going on. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm going to say. So uh, a space probe has crash-landed. It was spelled off an early warning system. And uh, Frank Douglas, our courageous pilot, might have been injured as part of it. Um, and then it transpires... A radioactive monster is wandering around somewhere in America, eventually to be Chicago. It transpires it was some drug he was given before he took off. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you miss one of those wonderful white men talking scenes? <laughs> um, and he, the radiation radius is growing around him catastrophically it's growing 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 um and spoilers here but you shouldn't ever watch this film <clears throat> that as the um officials close down on him and they've shut down the whole city of chicago they're chasing him through a t i say chasing lumbering s sloping after him very slowly in hazmat suits they nearly catch up to him and then a voiceover tells us that he disappeared and actually Frank Douglas, the astronaut, is fine. And, and I quote, he is of normal size. And then the <laughs> end card flashes up. That's what we watched. I mean, what did I miss? Oh, I've, I have no idea what you missed because I feel like I've missed quite a lot. I, certainly I've missed one hour, eight minutes of my life. Yeah, you're not um, getting that back. Yeah. Um, what what did you miss? Um, uh, did did it say in the plot anywhere that at, at, at various points in the film about twenty middle aged white American men will be standing in, in front of each other, waffling a load of old crappy dialogue that you can barely hear uh, because I don't know microphones that didn't seem to exist in the sixties. Um, yeah, you you've layered two pieces of crap together there. So, you know, the big technical flaw that covers the entire film is the inaudible soundtrack. You know, the, <laughs> the whole thing is quite a challenge to hear throughout. Really difficult, very muffled. <clears throat> Apart from the stentorian announcer who comes direct from the land of cliché. <laughs> and who, may I add, I know is the director himself, Herschel Gordon-Lewis. Is it? Yes. Oh, that is abysmal. That is abysmal. 
so the yeah the voiceover appears sort of every 20 minutes to sort of like explain what's going on or what is about to happen in fact spoils what's about to happen at least one time um so yeah. that's the director trying to sort of like paper over his pathetic cracks of rubbish dialogue and non-existent storyline okay yeah, so know. so let me point out exactly why so many cracks exist. And this isn't a fact I'd let you in on, but I've done some reading about this film beforehand. Right. So it was originally directed by Bill Rebane in 1961, but he runs out of money, so the whole project is shelved. Years later, this godfather of Gore, Herschel Gordon Lewis, buys the rights and what's left of it, and kind of cobbles it together and sticky tapes it together for release mm. in 1965. Some of the actors couldn't be asked to come back to film the rest of it, which is why, and you said it at one point, what happened to all those people wandering around in cars? Well, they just didn't come back. So that's why those characters disappear. Are you having a laugh? No. That is unbelievable. Oh my yeah. god! And it, what a hatchet job! And it certainly, certainly comes across like that. There's about there's about ten characters in this film who appear in scenes like right from the beginning, and they just disappear. There's this. What did I say to you when we were watching it? It's like, wasn't there a scene a minute ago of some blonde woman having dinner with some guy? Yep. Where have they gone? Who were they? We never, well, we probably did know, but I lost interest in who they were, them and their martinis with the anchovy olives. Um, <laughs> Make sure, don't forget about the anchovy olives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's so, the least of the problems in this film. That is the least of the problems. I mean, you know, the opening titles had a really very 60s, nice skiffle soundtrack. I thought, well, oh, that's quite good. So this is 1965. Jay, remind us, what were the Beatles releasing in 1965? Oh, um, uh, Help and Rubber Soul. Both of which sank without trace. No, Rubber Soul frequently comes up in best albums of all time. The the stuff they were playing with, you know, what they were experimenting with, and yet still cranking out really enjoyable tunes. And they have this weird skiffle thing, boogie-woogie, going on. It's, and yeah. while we're on the year 1965, so you might think, well, it was 1965. Um, films weren't different back then. But can I, can I tell you about some of the films that came out in 1965? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thunderball, the Bond film. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, okay. Cat Baloo. Right. Yeah. The Ipcress File. Yeah, I mean, classic. Dr. Zhivago. Oh, my God. The Sound of Music, you know. What? So there's oh, good stuff. Good oh, stuff come on. This in was like the ramblings. Oh, that's made me feel even more sick. <laughs> oh, dear. More sick. There was. This is like some black and white nonsensical nightmare from the 1800s. It was so retro, clunky. Badly made. Um, I'm just going to. I'm just going to read a couple of um, um, quotes about this film. Horrible dialogue. Terrible acting. The editor must have been smoking crack. The effects could have been done by an eight-year-old. 
continuity what continuity the monster i've seen scariest stuff come out of my drain i give it five stars and plan to watch it again. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> for an hour and ten minute film, we've actually got quite a lot to talk about. I mean, it looks like they had a $500 budget and spent it on something else. <laughs> spent it on the rap party. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was, a, there was a line near the beginning. Uh, referring to Frank Douglas, <laughs> our, our poor pilot, where our Dentorian voiceover said, Pilot dead, horribly mangled in a way no one had ever seen before. <laughs> Which is quite a statement, isn't it? You're mangled in a way no one had ever seen before. Was his ear yeah. attached to his fingers? I don't know. Yeah, and, and also, how does he know that? I mean, it's quite a bold statement. Did he do sort of like surveys in Nigeria? Uh, but then sort of... they show us the body, which is quite clearly <laughs> fine. <laughs> that shows the body is just a guy, <laughs> just a guy lying down. Oh, yeah. so bad, so bad. So and I asked you to write down some stuff because I just couldn't be bothered. What did you write down, Gary? Well, there was that, and the, we moved to the. Oh, we need to tell his wife that something's happened, yeah. and then again we've got quite a dramatic scene to happen. I'm going to tell you, they choose to do this one wide set shot that lasts about four minutes of this army general or policeman it's never quite clear talking to these two women never a close-up in sight audio. this little jimmy appears from nowhere to hey kid um i don't know what that was all about and then and then a little after that i mean i, I must admit i phased in and out and they we don't forget this film is called Monster Agogo, and um, you know Agogo immediately places it in a time and place, doesn't it? And we suddenly cut to the twist. Oh uh, yeah, literally. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, not the twist of the film, but the dance. <laughs> a whole bunch of crazy teenagers all doing the twist. Which is like something from another film, because basically yeah. everything up until this point has been loads of middle-aged white men standing talking a load of nonsense in a really, really boring manner, non-stop. Every scene, talking, talking, dialogue, can't really hear it, all nonsense, boring men, boring men, and then all of a sudden, tits, dancing, breasts, young people, uh, complete, uh, and no one speaks, and it's like, it's just been sort of warped in from another dimension. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't, but that actually was my favourite part, not for the tits. <clears throat> no, well, there was there was something moving on the screen, which was quite novel. <laughs> again, our voiceover dude comes in with, fate and history never deal with ifs. <laughs> so is that the director saying that? Uh, yes, apparently so, because oh. he then murders the Biff Tannen character. Oh, sorry, the monster then murders the Biff Tannen character. Oh yeah, it was um, a bit. It was a bit Back to the Future that section, wasn't it? And that's when we actually, and then this Doctor Logan, the one who appears to know about him being infected with radiation. This is not very clear. Um, he then goes looking for the monster, and the vo again, the voiceover man informs us that he's about to go looking for him, and he will never return. So hey, he's going to die in this scene. Oh. Um, he wanders yeah. around a field for about an hour. Um, <laughs> holding a hairdryer holding a hairdryer and then suddenly lurch from Adams the Adams family appears with porridge on his face 
who is our monster. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Uh, and gets him. Uh, it's, what, what he does to them isn't really clear, is it? There's no, like, fight scene or anything. Yeah, nothing is really clear. Nothing in this film is really clear, literally. I couldn't see half of it. There were so many shots of just pitch black with, like, vague areas of grey flapping past. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I didn't know what was going on. I, did, the, I'm, I swear the monster changed actor halfway through. Also, did you notice when that, whoever that guy was, was walking through the field carrying a hairdryer? <clears throat> that was Dr. Logan. I'm glad you were paying attention because I could. Uh, um, there were bird noises. Now, I didn't mention this at the time because I just thought, surely not. But then it happened in another scene. The bird noises were all made by someone whistling. Like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which was, <clears throat> if I think back on it, is really bizarre because there's another scene where there's a load of girls sunbathing. It's not as boring. It's it's sorry. It's it, it's probably the least boring part of that film as well. Just literally because other people are in it, other than loads of boring middle-aged men. But there's also someone whistling bird noises in the background because they couldn't find real birds. I don't know. Well, just... I mean, the foley artist was working overtime because did you also hear the phone ring near the beginning of the film? I've got I've got a quote here mentioning that, but I didn't notice it. But did you? Yeah. Yeah, the bring bring. Um, <laughs> like I just did it just then. Um, it does say here that possibly the only film in cinema history to have someone off camera making a phone noise to simulate a phone ringing. <laughs> if only we could find a way to make a phone ring, eh? Because <gasps> they can go off randomly. There's no way to predict when a phone's going to go off so you can capture the noise. Ooh, Gary, Gary, I can't, I, I can't believe this is happening but i'm starting to feel that this is the worst film we've ever watched <laughs> i can't believe How there is there is a lot <laughs> hey I, I, we, we've talked all this time and we haven't talked about some of the wonderful uh, scenes such as the scene when some lady's car breaks down <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think you're ahead of me. Um, some lady's car breaks down, and then uh, some truck pulls over to help fix it. Uh, uh, and sort of really mansplains to, ooh, you should have a full tank of gas. Who's also drunk, right? I think so, or just <laughs> acting really bad. And then she, and then she really sexily kisses him on the mouth, and then drives <laughs> off. <laughs> and it's really out of place from the rest of the film. And let's be clear, I don't think new characters exist outside of this scene. Oh my god, they don't! Oh my god, they don't! <laughs> I'm not... Oh my I god, mean, oh my god yeah. Gary! That, oh my god! That scene had literally nothing to do with the film. Nope. Because when you're watching it, you think, oh, okay, maybe they're going to call back to that Maybe those actors are then going to go on to something, but then something else happens and you forget about it. But now that I'm thinking about it, that scene had literally nothing to do with the film. The characters, the woman breaks down, a man comes and fixes the car. She snogs him like some kind of disgusting whore. And he drunkenly gets back into his van. He says, Gregory Peck! 
and then that's it. Yep. The yep. scene has nothing to do with it. Oh my god, this film! Oh my god, you are not wrong. Um, and there's also a whole scene where the monster trashes the lab, and I, and I can hear you on the other end of the line going, "What? What happened?" Yeah, this is explained away by the voiceover guy saying. It was all destroyed by a sweep of the monster's arm. We just have the doctor arriving at his office the next day, and it's all wrecked. I say wrecked. A few things have been knocked over. Um, Why would you have a film called Monster, a go-go, and not have any monster in it? The monster is in it for, like, five seconds in total. Why would you? <laughs> the only chance yeah, was some I mean, action for the monster. There's nothing to be said for the Spielbergian, you know, don't reveal your monster too early in the film. Not, not, not don't reveal your monster ever. <laughs> be fair, you know, he does appear for a good, oh, I don't know, 11 second screen time and oh. in no way intimidating or scary. He just looks a bit lost. Oh, God, this film. I'm at a loss. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure this isn't some sort of avant-garde sort of uh, art, art project. Because yeah. some of those shots with, like, the terrible camera angles, the inaudible dialogue, and the frankly bizarre soundtrack of what sounds like a cat running across a piano. But there's um, also a bit where they send the army to fight the monster. It's pitch black. And when I say pitch black, you mean there's the odd shaft of light on the screen. And a <laughs> shooting into the darkness. Yeah. Your great set piece is completely pitch black. Yeah. I don't understand this film, Gary. I don't understand it. Nope. So uh, last week I was angry with it. I can't be angry with this film because I don't understand it. No, it didn't make any sense. Uh, But, you know, as if... uh, There was a bit towards the end, all around Chicago, where they're investigating and tracking down the radiation, where I thought, actually, they could be onto something here with a bit of tension. And it had an air, and I want to be quite clear, an air, a hint of an air of a sniff of Quatermass. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I'm going to compare them, but there was something about it. Lest we forget, this is two years after Doctor Who debuts on British TVs. Um, uh, but then the just they just throw away the ending in the worst way I've ever seen. Oh, it's, it's terrible. The voiceover man says the monster disappears and the astronaut is fine. Uh, to quote, as if a switch had been flicked, as if an eye had been blinked. And the monster <laughs> And the, the astronaut was fine. He was absolutely fine. And and again, I can't, I repeat, and of normal size. <laughs> I like that. So just add that in. Oh, but oh, he's fine. But he's seven <laughs> feet tall. Oh my god, this film is absolute tripe. <laughs> Which is what I said about last week as well. Yeah. <laughs> so Jay, monsters are going. Monster a go go. Would you recommend this film? Uh, Monster a no no for me. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, um, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing redeeming about it at all. It's not yeah, even worth afraid, it for amusement I, I, value. I, we, I think we could all think of, uh, you know, just on on a on a five fingers in front of us, 
something better to do with one hour than and, and eight minutes because this film is uh, it's it's drained some cells from my brain. Yeah, absolutely. I can strongly I mean, not recommend this film. It is barely a film. It is literally it's like someone's rolled camera and some humans flapping in and out of shot. It's that's all it is. Yeah, I have to agree. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is utterly terrible. Okay. <laughs> it is utterly terrible. Yeah. Well, <sighs> thank you, Gary. I, no, thank you for wasting an hour and ten minutes of my life too. No problem. All the best. I'll see you next time. See ya.